Stay tuned on those kind of things, but, uh, but glad we're back here today in the flesh. Um, this week, as we begin to talk through prayer, that's what kind of we're going to land today, I thought of a story um, that I want to share with you in the adventures of Callie and RC in the car. And so uh, if you ever go driving with your wife, it can be an adventure sometime. But we were on our way back from uh, Florida, um, a, a pathway which we had been traveling for 20 years. We know the way and all these things, but we were on our way back and we we're on the interstate um, and I think we're on 65 and we, we, all of a sudden we start to come up against, um, traffic. I see that there's a wreck uh, far in advance and I see just cars backing up forever and ever and ever. And like, I know this is not going to go good. So I look over and there's an exit coming up right before the backup kind of starts. And so, um, I have a lot of things going on in my mind here. Here's what's going on. Number one, uh, we were in a dead area. Our cell service had dropped. So my my app went down. I don't know which way it's telling me to go. Is it going to reroute me? I don't know. And then all of a sudden the cars in front of me start to get off on the side of the interstate. And so, so I've got, I've got a lot of decisions to make here in this moment. Do do, do I stay and stick, get stuck here for six hours or do I get off these? I don't know where they're going. My maps are out and all that stuff. So I make the choice. And so I get, I start following these cars in front of me. And, uh, and so I have, I have, Literally five different things telling me which way to go. Here they are. Number one, I have, I have my app that's dropping in and out of service. And it's just, it's audibly telling me one thing and another thing. It's coming in, it's coming out. Then I've got Callie over there. She's got another app that she's trying to pull up and download. And it's trying to tell me what to do. I can follow all the other cars in just the direction that they're going. Or I can trust in my own self uh, which is just, you know, I, I think I know which way to go. Or there's a fifth one. Uh, it's the WNS. It's the wife navigational system. And so she's chirping a mayor trying to tell me what to do too. I've got five different things. Which way do I go? We're panicking setting in. We're lost. We don't know where to go. We're overwhelmed here. Uh, and we're just kind of looking for the way out of this. We need some help. We're crying out. Something, please tell us which way to go. It can feel a lot like that in our world today. We can feel very overwhelmed, panic, looking for ways to navigate in the crazy world that we live in today. Socially, morally, ethically, we're, we're in a weakened state like we've never been before. You've got depression, anxiety at an all-time high. Uh, loneliness. We could go on and on about the things that are happening in our culture uh, that have just, they're just, they, they leave us panicked all over the place. The media continues uh, to project a mass psychosis of fear over COVID. We do know that, right? Like, there is a sickness. People are sick. But that's not what the media wants to portray. It wants to create a psychosis of fear that all of us would just literally be scared to death to die if we walk out of our house. We have to we have to control things. We got to back up just a little bit. And so there's another thing. How do we navigate through that? Like, how do we, what's true? What's not true? What am I reading and seeing on TV? And uh, last week I read some articles. Uh, you've got transgender men who are uh, just breaking all of the women's swimming records. Imagine that, right? Uh, that's happening. Racial segregation on our TVs. You like shows for white people and black people and Hispanic people and Asian people. And there's just division, division, division that's happening in our culture. We have abortion rallies in California. They're, they're trying to invite people to come out there. Come on out there. We'll support you. We'll, we'll give you a, uh, uh, we'll give you an abortion. We'll support what you do. Let's, this is crazy stuff that's happening in our world. There's even uh, the economy. Think about. Like several years ago, it's like people are trying to find jobs. Now you can get paid $17 an hour at Chick-fil-A, but nobody wants to work. Go anywhere to a restaurant. People just don't want to work. I read another article that said there's a, there's, there's a beginning excuse culture that's kind of setting in. And people are calling out of work because of rain. Think about that. Now, I think, I, this is an opinion, sidebar, Bible here, me over here. I think that this COVID culture has created a very easy excuse culture to get out of things. You know what I mean? Like, it's easy to call out of things now, work, potentially church. Well, I came in contact with someone three weeks ago, and I passed them on the street, and they might have had COVID. It's just created an excuse culture. People are dropping out of work, dropping out of commitments. All these. I'm just saying, there's just, it's just crazy right now. 
There's a lot of messiness that's happening in our world. We feel overwhelmed. We don't know where to turn. But what, what does the world turn to? Science, education, politics, protest, advancement of technology, whatever it is, the world's kind of turning, looking for answers in all of those places. So the question for us is who do we put our trust in? Listen to what King David said in Psalm 27, which I hope and pray that this is the rally cry of our church. He said this, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. That's who we trust in. The government, they can fix potholes in the road, but they cannot fix the potholes in society. Pride, idolatry, can't fix those things. Our teachers, uh, they're trying to teach kids how to pass the TCAP. They cannot teach them how to cure idolatry and selfishness in their own hearts. Can't do it. Doctors can cure and treat physical illnesses, but they cannot cure or treat the spiritual ailments that plague our country and our nation. You see, all, all the problems that we're facing All the tensions, they're not the result of something physical. They are the result of something spiritual. It always has been spiritual since the beginning. All of the things that I listed there, these are symptoms. The root issue of all the things is always sin. It always has been, it still is today, and it always will be as long as we are on this fallen earth. I say all of that is because we... In the midst of all these things that are happening in our world, we cannot leave our problems up to the door of the White House or the schoolhouse. We have to fight them in the church house and in our own houses, and we have to be a people who cry out to the only one who can do anything about our wicked land, and that is to God. Look at what 2 Chronicles says to do. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their lands. Church, if we believe that God is sovereign overall, not just in theology, but in functionality, how we live our lives, that we know and believe and trust in the sovereignty of God, the almighty creator of heaven and earth. If we truly believe that, then we have to be people who turn away from putting our hope in legislation and begin to turn towards supplication, praying to God. That's what we're going to talk about today, prayer. Now, before we dive into there, let me do a little bit of a recap because we weren't here last week, so there were some things I wanted to say to you. We're in a series called Reset, and uh, the church is facing hard times just like the world is, and so uh, this is not the time for the church to retreat, but it is the time for the church to reset. Um, And then we, so the, the way forward for our church, how do we navigate through this world? The way forward is by looking back at a very old principles, not by doing new strategies, It's by old principles in the book of Acts. So I say that because right now there are a lot of churches that are scrambling trying to figure out how to do church. I got an email two weeks ago. Uh, I get these emails from these parachurch organizations. I don't know how they got my email, but uh, they send me these things and they say, they say, five new strategies to build your church. And it's all these these schemes and things you need to practice in the church, methodology. You want to build your budgets? Here's what you do. You want to put butts in the seats? Here's what you do. You want to get a greater building? Here's what you do. Strategist, that's called pragmatism. We aren't doing that. The way forward for us is by looking back at the early church. We're kind of doing a search on churchancestry.com. We're going back to look at what our forefathers did at the birth of the New Testament church and looking at distinguishing marks And that's where we're anchoring our hope in the forward church. So here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to just show you really quickly where this whole thing started. It was because the early church was dependent upon the Holy Spirit. This is where week one was. Let me show you in Acts 2.38 again. And Peter said to them, 
repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He told them to wait. Don't go try to build the church thing yet. You wait on the Holy Spirit because it is the Holy Spirit that will build the church, not pragmatism. That's what they depended upon. And that is what we are going to build our church on. We aren't looking forward and saying, how do we, man, how do we get a lot of people in here? Let's do jokes and cokes. That'll just bring a lot of people into the church. They'll just love it and just make, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to depend upon the Holy Spirit to build this church. That's the first thing. The second thing that they did, and I wanna show you really quickly, in Acts 2, 42 through 47. So if you have your Bible, get to that place. I want to show you after Peter preached the sermon at Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved, the birth of the church, the Holy Spirit saved that many people. And so this is, the, this is what folds out. Acts 2, 42 through 47 is really what we're walking through in this entire series. These marks are all found here. Let's read it together, 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So immediately after Peter preached this sermon, 3,000 authentic conversions happened that day. I mean, real conversions. Why? Because it says the Lord added to their number. So we know all 3,000 were legit. He, He's not talking about pastor math here. I don't know if you know when I say pastor math. Some guys will get on social media and say, oh, man, 500 people gave their life to the Lord at our church today. Well, they don't really know if they were saved that day. They, there was maybe been 500 professions of faith, but it remains to be seen if they were actually saved or not. Not on this day. This day, all 3,000 were saved because it was the work of God and the Holy Spirit. And notice the very specific order of what began to take place. What was the first thing that they did after they were saved and baptized? They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. That's what we talked about last week. That's what Pat preached about. All 3,000 enrolled in biblical kindergarten. They became students of the word. They loved it. They had an appetite for it. It was not obligatory for them to read their Bibles. They loved it and they lived it. Church, if we are going to navigate through this world in our marriages, in our families, in our neighborhoods, uh, and in the nations, if we're going to navigate through this at all and have any chance, we have to be people who are devoted to the Word. We have to be people that are not doing our quiet times with Twitter and our daily devotions in CNN. We have to be people who saturate our minds and our homes with the scriptures. I encourage you to stay with us on the Bible reading plan. If you've, backed, if you've got behind a little bit, man, catch up with us. There's some grace in there. But a chapter a day, you can do that. I know you could do that. If you feel like you can't do a chapter today, look at your schedule. There's some fat in there that needs to be cut out. Something else that has been put into place of something greater. And this is the best portion of our day. I encourage you to get up in the morning and do it. Best portion of our day. So stay with the reading of the word of God. They were devoted. But the last thing here is, is what we're gonna do is look at the third thing here. And this is that we see here in verse 42 they devoted themselves, of course, to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking bread and the prayers. They devoted themselves to prayers. Throughout the book of Acts, 30 times the word prayer is mentioned. It's in every single chapter. It tells us that the mindset of the early church, that prayer was not something that they did before meals and meetings, 
It wasn't just something they did in church as a transition between singing and preaching. It was a part of their life as as normal as breathing was to them. They devoted themselves to prayer. Now, let's remember again the culture that they faced in their prayer. They didn't have the ear of the emperor, right? Hostile, he was trying to kill Christians. They don't have the ear of the emperor, but they had the ear of God. They didn't have a mighty, powerful soldier uh, army that could fight all the Romans. They didn't have that, but they had an army of prayer warriors who continually cried out to God for help. It was a part of their life. And they were in a time of war, much like we are in a time of war today. We are in a time of war. I love this quote from John Piper. It's an oldie but goodie that talked about the use of prayer in the middle of war. He said this, prayer is a wartime walkie-talkie to the commander, not a domestic intercom to call up to God for an extra pillow. I love that. We are in a war. God has called us to something that we can't do on our own. I mean, he's called us to a great mission to fly upstream, to swim upstream against the culture, to actually thrive and not just, he's called us to something well above ourself. But if you live a life of safety, you don't need to pray. Think about if if your day consists of this. If your day consists of waking up, brushing your teeth, jumping in the shower, getting some coffee, heading off to work, grabbing lunch at lunch break, coming home after work, sitting down, eating family with the TV or with watching dinner and watching TV with the family and then having some great family time and then tucking the kids into bed and waking up the next day doing it all over again. You don't need prayer for that. You don't. Atheists do that all the time with no problem. You don't need prayer to play Call of Duty. You don't need prayer to Netflix binge, to scroll through social media. You don't need prayer for those things. To play it safe, we don't need prayer for those things. You don't need prayer if you're cool with letting your kid's phone and and Caesar educate your kids. You don't need help with that. You don't need to pray. Just take your hands off the wheel. But if you want to be aware of the Holy Spirit, if you want to be devoted to the Word, you need to pray. If you want to have rich, deep, quiet times with the Lord in the morning before you start, you're going to need to pray. If you're going to overcome addictions and anxiety in your life, you're going to need to pray. If you're going to reach that coworker, coworker and eventually share the gospel with them when it potentially could be offensive, you're going to need to pray. If you're finally going to fight against that secret sin that's been lingering around since you were 12 years old, you're going to need to pray going to guard your eyes against your computer, your phone. You want to love your kids. If you're going to want to disciple your kids, you're going to need to pray. These are very difficult things. In fact, they're, they're things that are impossible for us to do on our own. The point is, is we have to be people who pray. And if you don't pray or you struggle to believe in prayer, you know what your prayer is? God, help me in my unbelief of prayer what you do. God help me. It's a great godly prayer. Listen to a few quotes that I pulled together this week. I thought they were really good. The first one is by Spurgeon, which of course is the Baptist fourth person of the Trinity. Um, That's a joke. He said this, devils may surround you on all sides, but the way upward is always open. Richard Baxter said, prayer is the breath of the new creature. A.W. Pink said, prayer is not so much an act as it is an attitude. An attitude of dependency 
dependency on God. I Here's what I do sometimes, kind of throwing myself under the bus. Like my theology, I, I know what prayer is. I don't have any qualms with it. I study it. I understand it. I'm supposed to be very dependent upon God. I should be a lot less uh, dependent upon me. I know that up here, but functioning in my life, man, it really, if you measure my life up, it looks like I'm really trusting in myself more than I am God. I talk to people all day long and I say, God, you sure talk to people all day long and you think they're going to help them, but how much are you actually talking to God? The only one that can help them. So I'm a little bit challenged when I read some of these things myself. A.W. Pink went on to say this, that prayer is arguably the most objective measure of our dependence on God. It's a big statement. The things that you pray to God about the most are the places and things that you trust God the most. The things that you pray about the least are the areas of your life where you trust God the least. Prayerlessness reveals self-confidence, but a prayer-filled life reveals God-confidence. If we have any hope to thrive, we have to be people who are devoted to prayer. So I want to show you today two things. Two things that the early church did, um, and then we're going to practice these two things in our gathering today. So it's going to look a little different here as we move forward. The first thing I want you to see is this. The early church prayed for their leaders. Early church prayed for their leaders. I'm going to show you a couple of patterns throughout the book of Acts. Number one, in the book of Acts in chapter one, the disciples uh, had needed to find someone to replace Judas. This was according to the scriptures. It was uh, prophesied that they were going to have to find a new disciple to replace Judas. So they, how do they figure out who to pick for the next leader of the church, the next apostle? Well, here's what they did. Acts one twenty four tells us. And they prayed and they said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen. So they didn't take disciples through a combine or they didn't have them go through an aptitude test or personality test. They pray, God, who, who would you have us choose as the next apostle? In Acts 6, there was a complaint that arose in the church uh, that the Jewish widows were being had a better treatment, a preferential treatment over the Hellenist widows. So there was a complaint brought to the elders of the church. And, and, and so basically what they did is they ended up choosing seven people in the church that would devote themselves to these widows. That is where the office of deacon was born. And so they, they, they picked seven. And then let me show you what they did with that seven. They brought them before the church and it says this in Acts 6. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid hands on them. I can remember two years ago when we did that with our deacons in here. It was a very special day. They were leaders and are leaders of our church. And so we prayed for them on that very day. There's another instance in Acts 12 when Peter had been threatened uh, by the Roman rulers that if he continued to talk about Jesus, that they were either going to throw him in prison or kill him. Uh, common sense says, hey, I think I'm going to shut up and keep my freedom. But that's not what Peter did. The gospel meant more to him than anything else. So he continued to preach the gospel. And of course, they arrested him, threw him in jail and shackled up his hands. And so as he's sitting at the bottom of the prison, Acts 12, 5 tells us what the church did for him. It said, so Peter, Acts 12, 5, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. So he's there in prison. The church knew about it, but the church didn't just say, well, we'll just keep thinking about Peter. Hope he's doing okay. Hope he makes it. Dang, I hate it for you, Peter. Oh, no, they prayed. They loved Peter. He was their leader. 
And so they prayed for Peter. And guess what happened after the church prayed for Peter? Miraculously, the chains break. Peter goes free. Great things happen when the church prays for its leaders. We are very quick to criticize leaders. Easy to find us. We're kind of in the front. But the early church didn't just criticize their leaders. They prayed for their leaders. I read one time where it said, you want a better pastor? Start by praying for the one that you have. I thought it was pretty good. So today, we're going we're gonna to do that. We're going to pray for the leaders of our specific congregation here. Um, I'm going to ask them to come up in just a minute. But before we do that, let me tell you why we need prayer. Number one, we're flesh and bone just like you guys. We're weak. We have marriages and we have families and we have kids just like you do. But it is very difficult in this season, it really probably all seasons of ministry, but um, right now, seemingly more than ever, there is this great pressure for churches to compromise biblical truth because it's becoming so offensive to the culture. And so to get up and stand before people and say, Bible says homosexuality is a sin and that you can't be a Christian and practice homosexuality, that, that can be offensive. The Bible says that radical giving to the church, tithing above and beyond generosity, that's a command in the Bible. Well, I mean, that could be, you preach that, that could be a space maker. You might be here today and you may not come back next week. You might have that whole, here goes the preacher talking about money again. But the Bible says it, so it must be true, and we must continue to talk about it. These are pressures that we face. When we face and stand up on the word of God and says that life begins in the womb and that a woman does not have a choice over that child in her womb, that can be offensive to women. When we stand up and we tell you that church is not a suggested thing for the Christian. It's not an optional thing for the Christian. It's not a virtual thing for the Christian. It's a physical thing. It's an actual thing. That can also be offensive. That you can't get up in the next morning and decide if you want to be a male or a female. When you say things like that, there's this great um, tendency or pe- for people to compromise and just not say those things. So we need your prayers. Some pastors today, and not just pastors, but people in the ministry, vocational ministry, there's a trend that's happening, resignation of a lot of pastors over the past two years. Here's a, there's a Barna group that does a, some statistics, and they did a study in 2021, and it said that two out of every five pastors are considering leaving the ministry altogether. It's very dangerous, very dangerous. It says this in his article, Joe Jensen, all the chaos, all the pressure, the magnifying glass of social media, the pandemic, the politics, the hyper-digital context, it makes sense that you have a lot of pastors saying, is this really what I signed up for? Did God really call me to deal with this? He goes on to say, this is a growing crisis for church leaders in America Now is the time for the Christian community to come alongside their pastors and staff to pray and support them so they can continue to lead the church guided by the Spirit of God. Here are some prayer points that I would ask you to pray for us, okay? Um, Pray that we would not compromise biblical truth, even if it means one day of us going to jail. And I've said this regularly, keep tithing so you can bail me out at the end of it. Uh, Pray that we are elders that are not guided by our guts, but that we're guided by God. Pray that we're not a bunch of guys that just sit around and be like, what do you feel like doing with the church this week? What what would be something cool that we could do? What do you feel like? Pray that we never do that. Pray that our conviction and our conscience are so bound by the very word of God that that governs everything that we do. 
Pray that we care more about getting people saved than we do about keeping people safe. That's a hot topic right now. Lester Holt tells me to stay safe every day. And he tells our world that the greatest thing you need to be concerned with in your life is to be safe. Problem is that is the scriptures don't say that. The scriptures say that we should be a lot more concerned over people's souls than their bodies. Yes, we acknowledge that there is a sickness. I don't want anybody to get sick. We pray for sick people all the time in our church. I don't want us to be reckless people. But pray that the elders of your church always care more about saving people than keeping people safe. Pray for us to make decisions that are wise in leading the church. Let me tell you about a few decisions that we have to sit around and talk. We've had more meetings, I think, over the past two years that, um, that we never had the previous, <laughs> like, I don't know how many years. We sit down and we talk through, what do we do about COVID? What do we do about masks, not masks? Do we have a section on masks? Do we have a service on masks? Do we clear out space in the rooms? What do we do about vaccines? You know, a couple of weeks ago, the Supreme Court had a decision that had to, uh, were deciding on if they were going to mandate vaccinations in uh, employers of if people that had 100 employees or more. Uh, they were going to mandate that they all get vaccinated with the Supreme Court. So we were sitting around as a church two weeks ago saying, what do we do? What if they come in and say, you have to mandate all of your employees at your church be vaccinated? Do we violate everyone's conscience who doesn't want to do it? Do we make them do it? We, did, we were just, what do we do? That's kind of the decisions that we have to sit around and talk about as a church. What do we do if two years the government begins to try to speak into how we do church and tells us that we have to hire a transgender as a receptionist? What do we do? If you don't, I'm going to fine you. Where do we plan our next campus? Tons of decision that we have to make as elders of the church. This is not a pity party, please. <laughs> Let me say this. This is an awesome burden, a great calling from God, and we love every minute of it, but we need your prayers in making these decisions. So right now, here's what we're going to do. I told you we're going to practice these things. The first thing I want to do is I'm going to bring up our staff. I'm going to bring up our staff. You guys go ahead and come on in. If you don't see a staff member, go get them out there. Um, but, but here's what we're going to do. Um, in a minute, I'm going to call up. Uh, just a minute, Damon. Hang, hang tight. I'm going to call Damon up to pray for us. But I, wanna, I just want to bring them before you to let you know a couple of things about our staff. Number one, um, so first of all, Jordan Strickland, one of our worship leaders here. Caleb uh, is in our student ministry. Jordan, y'all know Jordan, associate pastor. Kathy Ropp, our preschool and kids director. And then Kim Rogers, our, my assistant, our assistant, does a lot of behind the scenes. Listen, every Monday we meet as a team and we pray for you. We love to do it. It's a privilege to give supplications to God for you. And so if you let us know what those things are, sometimes they come formally in a prayer request on a blue card. Uh, sometimes they could be you just sharing. We hear things. So-and-so is sick. Someone just lost a loved one. Someone's lost a job. Someone's baby is sick. Someone's kid is not following Jesus. They're off the rails. Like all of these things get brought to us and we love to pray for you by name. We love to do it. But the reality is, we were just like you. Moms, dads, husbands, wives, singles. We're weak. We have marriages. We have kids that sometimes go off the rails and don't listen to us. We're just like you. We're in just as much need of your prayers as you do. When you're vocationally on staff at a church, it's not just them that are on staff at the church. The whole members of our families feel this calling. And so it's hard to do sometimes. There's kind of a running joke sometimes that pastors and staff, they just, man, they work one day a week. They work on Sundays and the rest of the week, they're just kind of sitting around reading the Bible. Listen, that's not, that's not reality. These guys are on call 24-7. I have to 
discipline myself to take a Sabbath on Friday so that I don't kind of interrupt my Sabbath. I have to do that. But the reality is they're on call all the time. They carry a lot of weight in the church. And so I am so thankful that we have this team. You need to be very thankful that we have this team. But we also need prayers, okay? So I'm gonna bring Damon uh, Steele up uh, for us. Damon's a man, faithful member of our church, been here so long. And Damon, would you pray for us today? Appreciate you doing it. Thanks, man. Quickly, uh, I'd like to read two verses. Um, this is out of John 17, 26, and this is Jesus praying on behalf of the saints. So it says, I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love that which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. One more. Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we ought to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. Equipping them in the will of God. Pray. I'm going to get on my knees, and you may want to try this yourself. Gracious Heavenly Father, God, Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for all that you are and all that you do. We thank you for our leaders. God, we thank you for our leaders. They are so precious, and they get up here, and they expound the word to us, Lord, that we may understand the deep things, Lord. May you give them wisdom. Lord, in expressing these things. Lord, uh, give them wisdom and decisions, heavy-weighted decisions, Lord, about how to feed the sheep. God, they say, I love you, Lord. And he says, go feed my sheep. And they all stand here and they lay their lives down to tell us about you. How precious that is. God, we love you so much and we are thankful for all these that you have called into service, Lord, to feed us and to care for us and nurture us. And they do it so well, God. And we thank you. We thank you for the calling on their lives. We thank you for their family members, Lord, that set aside their own wants, Lord, that these men and women can come and serve the congregation. God, be with them. Watch over them. Strengthen them. And love them. God, I'm personally so blessed by each and every one of them. And I thank you, Jesus. And I thank you for everyone that you've brought here today, Lord. It is not by chance that they're sitting in the seats. God, the foundation of the earth was not built on chance, Lord but by your power, your very word. We love you so much. We thank you for each one of these leaders. Be with them. Go with them. Strengthen them. Nourish them in your word. Help them to hate sin and to love righteousness, holiness, God. Help them to be bold in the gospel. The gospel of your very son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, we love you so dearly, Lord, and we thank you. And in your holy, holy, precious name we pray. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Mm. <laughs> I know you meant that too, buddy. Love you, man. Yes, thank you, Damon. Uh, Y'all need to know that, that our staff, um, it makes us uncomfortable to ask for your prayer. Sometimes we, we kind of get off and kind of help everybody else and we need to be reminded and tapped on the shoulder that we're also weak. And so that's, not, that's something hard for us to do, but we, we appreciate your prayers and we covet them through the week as well. So uh, we could have prayed for a lot more leaders, by the way. That's not all the leaders we have in our church. And so uh, we, we want to let you know that we continue to pray for you and you leading in any capacity at our church, and we need to continue to do that through our week. Pray for the leaders of this church, okay? Uh, as we go to the second piece here, the second mark we see in this early church is that they prayed for one another. 
They prayed for one another. And so uh, it's all over the book of Acts, but let me show you a couple of things in the New Testament as well that speak to the importance of praying for one another. James 5.16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The book of Acts is filled with a lot of healing. Uh, James 5, it says also that if one of us is sick to call for the elders of the church and that they would pray over them. It is a good thing to pray for one another's sicknesses is my point there. This is something that we petition to God uh, and how we pray for one another. Sickness is real. Uh, we don't put our trust and faith, fake healers, those guys, those crazy guys on TV, jacket slaying stuff. We don't, we don't put our trust in that. We put our trust to heal in the sovereign God who is the great healer. So we need to be a people who are praying for the sick. The sicknesses, the ailments, the all the stuff that's going around right now that is real, and we do know that, praying for cancer, praying for uh, the salvation of others in our own families. Some are here, and their marriages need some healing. This past two years has been very tasking on a lot of marriages, so some need prayer for marital healing or familial healing. There's some things going on in your, a fracture in a relationship with someone in your uh, your family. There's a lot of things we need to be praying for in our one another's here. And so I urge you to continue to do that. Here's another one, Ephesians 6, 18. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. You know, one of the things that I see continually, and you got to keep in mind, again, in the early church, their personal lives were probably not really good. Their spirits, a lot of suffering, a lot of angst. And then so the scriptures cry out to pray for one another, to not be people that only pray to God when they need something. We know that the scriptures tell us, yes, we should cry out to God for things that we need, but it doesn't stop there with self-obsessed prayers. We should be thinking selflessly and praying for the one another's. Denial of self is, in fact, the way of the faith of a follower of Christ. Those who want to follow Jesus must crucify themselves. We are to pray for one another when we lose jobs, when there's sickness, when there's cancer, and so on and so on. This week, when I was studying and I saw this theme of praying for one another, um, it brought to mind someone that I want to talk to you about today who, when I think of someone praying for someone else or praying for the one another, she absolutely did it so well. This week, you may have heard that we lost a dear, dear sister in Christ, uh, her battle to cancer. Her name is Heidi Ray. Sweet. Heidi Ray. Heidi has been here since 2016. Praise be to God that uh, her family was here last hour too, her husband Chris and two sons. But Heidi um, lost her battle with cancer. Um, she, her soul is one to Christ. She's okay. God did heal her. He healed her soul a long time ago. So Heidi's all... Uh, all good, and, but, but it was a very sad day yesterday. It was a very worshipful day too, though. And so one of the things that, I, I, as I was preparing to, to do her memorial service, um, I asked her husband, and I, I sometimes do this to get to know in certain areas where I didn't know about a person, and he shared with me uh, her prayer journal. Heidi was someone who journaled out all of her prayers, um, you don't have to journal out all your prayers for them to be effective, of course. But when someone writes out their prayers in a prayer journal, I think you know they're pretty serious and devoted to prayer. So he shared with me her prayer journal. And uh, I wanted to read something from it in here. 
her handwriting was <laughs> immaculate. It was detailed. It was so small. And I mean, just look at this thing. You can kind of get an idea. She is journaled. And this is only just one of the prayer journals. There's another one that I didn't even bring up here today. But um, it was diligent, full and full and full of pages of her prayer life. And I just wanted to give you a glimpse into her prayer life really quickly. And keep in mind, this is someone who, this is towards the end. This is a week before she passed. A week before she passed. I think she probably knew that her time was coming to a close. What do you think someone is praying for when they know that their physical life might end in a week? Listen to what Heidi was praying for. Heavenly Father, thank you for another day on earth with my family. Thank you for your word, your truth, your living word. God, thank you for salvation. God, thank you for caring about me. God, I pray that you forgive me of my anger anxiety, and impatience as my body hurts. I know that you tell us that, you, that we will all suffer, so help me to trust that it's for my good. God, I pray for peace of the Holy Spirit to fill my soul. Lord, I repent of anything that isn't pure that separates me from you. Please help me when I feel sad about losing my family to always think about eternity. God, trust me or trust you and help me in my unbelief. Just think about that, praying for these kind of things as someone who trusted in prayer. But here's what I want you to see. In this, she has petitions for herself. I'm not gonna read the rest of it, but let me tell you what she's praying for in here. She's praying for salvation of her family members that don't know Jesus. She's praying that her sons would love Jesus with all of their heart and all of their mind and all of their souls. She absolutely, she has a son, Zane, who's 10, and Weston, who's 5. She prayed for their future wives to love Jesus. You ever think about praying for things like that? She prayed that her husband would continue to lead their family. She prayed for Chris to bring the boys back to church because they had missed so much. If she knew you and she told you that she was praying for you, she meant it. It's in this book. You know how when sometimes people tell us to pray for them, maybe it's a a Facebook post to anybody who's watching, hey, lift up prayers, I need prayers, pray for me. And we hear those and typically, typically, when we see that, we're like, yes, but what we really mean is, dang, I hate that for you. It's not what she meant. When she said she was going to pray, she meant it. She prayed for the one another's in her life and in her church. And so when I read this, I have two things going on in me. I'm a little bit convicted of my own prayer life. And I'm a little bit encouraged to want to pray like Heidi Ray. I hope that you are too. You know, her story, her mantra in her battle with cancer was her story for God's glory. And that did not end at the day of her death. Her story is still for God's glory even today, echoing past her physical life. Praise be to God. So as we do that um, today, I want us to practice praying for one another. And here's how we want to do this today. I'm going to bring the leaders back up. And uh, I want to ask if you're a deacon in the church, if you're at the service, would you do me a favor and just hang in the back? So if you're a deacon, go to the back. If the staff, y'all come back up. And here's what I want to do. We're actually going to pray for one another right now. Not telling you to go home and do it later, although that's great too. We're going to do that right now. And so how we're going to do that is a couple of things. The first thing I want to tell you before we do this and practice 
is some need to understand before we do this that prayer is not a universal language uh, that all people who have a pulse and a breath get to pray to God and he's obligated to answer our prayers. Prayer is a very specific and grace-given language for people who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection. People who have a relationship with God through Jesus. They receive so much salvation, justification, eternal security, imperishable inheritance in heaven forever and ever, but they also receive the gift of a prayer language speaking to God's ear. That is a numerous gifts of God's grace. So we can do that. But if you're here today and you've not given your life to Jesus, you've not said, I'm in. I am not going to save myself with my good works. I'm, I'm abandoning me. I'm abandoning religion to save me. I'm, if you've not done that, your very first prayer to God is, God, save me. And that needs to come before God give me a job, God heal me, God give me this or that. You need salvation first. So if that's you or you want to talk to somebody about, you get up and you move towards someone up front or someone in the back. The band is going to come back out. So let me give direction to everyone else in the room. We're going to pray for one another. And here's how I want you to do it. If you have something in your life going on right now, it's something sickness, illness, loved one, hurting, uh, job, marriage, family, anything that you know that you need some prayer for. You got to, first of all, die to that independence, right? Say, I need help. I'm weak. You come. You come up front to someone. You can come to the back to pray with someone. Y'all be ready to pray. Uh, We're going to practice praying out loud. Um, this is something that is pleasing to God. And so we're going we're gonna to do that right in here. If you want to turn to your wife or your family and pray out loud where you sit, you can do that as well. If you want to sit where you are and pray in the privacy of your own mind and just go, Lord, you could do that as well. I say you can't. Uh, but we're going to move. We're going to get up. We're going to pray. We're going to send out the cries, Lord, help me in this church. And we're going to show the Lord we are dependent upon him. That we do believe in prayer. So move however the Lord does that. Let me pray for us and then I'm going to get out of the way and we're just going to let the spirit lead. Father, we love you and we confess, first of all, God, we come to you as beggars first. We always come to you in prayer as sinners in need of repentance. And so, God, we come to you in that posture as weak as humble people who desperately need you and your intervention. God, hear our prayers today. Hear the prayers of Life Point Stewart's Creek. Hear our cries. Lord, help us today.